Let's uh, open your Bibles this morning. Thanks for coming out today on such a, well, beautiful day. (laughs) Beautiful day. So, well, at least we don't have two foot of snow, you know. And so I'm learning the older I get to just look at things to be thankful for. Amen. And so, but you know, I like, I like snow. I like sled riding. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to sleigh ride back where, well, where I live now. And man, we had one area where you just get on that. I got an extra large sled and you get on that thing and man, just go. That was fun. And it doesn't seem like the snows we get now are as good as the ones back in the seventies. I, I remember having eight, 10, 14 inches of snow back then. And one time the Rockwood school district got shut down for a whole week in a row. And we were, we were, I was so happy until springtime came and then we had to make some of those days up, you know. But nonetheless, thank God for coming out today and uh, happy Valentine's Day. And you can be turning to Jeremiah 31, Valentine's Day. You know, uh, Valentine, I, you know, actually there was three fellows named Valentine and, um, uh, Two, two of them, actually, I think were priests. They may all three have been. Uh, but the way Valentine's Day actually got started had to do with one of them. There was an emperor back in the third century who had, uh, because he didn't want his soldiers, uh, he wanted his soldiers to go to battle and not be distracted with thinking about the wife and family. He forbid, the emperor forbid the soldiers from getting married. And this priest named Valentine disagreed with that, and he continued to marry the soldiers with their, you know, their, their, you know, their girlfriends, and he'd marry them and defy the emperor. And the emperor put put him in jail. And uh, then, in the process of time, uh, Valentine, uh, this priest, he either uh, struck up a relationship with the jailer's daughter. Either they were friends or perhaps they they fell in love. It's debatable. Um, But uh, anyway, the emperor was mad and the emperor was going to have him executed on February the 14th. And so he left a letter, whether a farewell letter or love letter, saying goodbye to his friend or his girlfriend, whatever, however. And he signed it from your Valentine. And that's how Valentine's Day... And, yeah, I thought you'd be pleased with that. And now, there's some speculation to whether or not that all is true, because it's a lot of legend. And so, but that's that's what I came up with. And then, of course, you know, there's I didn't concoct it. That's what they. You know. And then there's and then there's Cupid, which you know that's from mythology. That's all fairy tales, but. Uh, Actually, it didn't take Cupid's arrow for Diane to fall in love with me. It was love at first sight when she saw me. And Anyway, all right. Well, are you ready to go home? No. You came for the word, didn't you? All right. Jeremiah 31.3. Let's turn there. So happy Valentine's Day. Um, notice Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you. He's talking to his people. He says, yes, I've loved you. But notice how did he love them? With a what? With an everlasting love. With an everlasting love. See, that's the way God loves us. He doesn't just love us today and then he's got to think about it tomorrow. 
He loves us with an everlasting love. No matter how we act, no matter how we don't act, He still loves us. He still loves us. You know, you parents in here, your children's, your children, you know, no matter what they do, you still love them, don't you? I mean, you know, sometimes you might get a little angry with them, but even in the midst of that anger, you still love them, don't you? And so God loves us, you know, uh, with an everlasting love. And since today is Valentine's Day and it's a day that we think about love, it just seemed like it'd be good to talk about God's everlasting love today. God's everlasting love. So I'm titling this, Love That Lasts. And my wife made a screen for that and I want to see it. Love That Lasts. Do we have that screen? Love That Lasts. Amen. Isn't that, didn't she do a good job? And she was thinking about me when she put that together. <laughs> love That Lasts. Love that lasts. So God has a love for us that lasts. And I'm glad to know that, that He loves us no matter what. No matter what, He loves us. And uh, that's good to know. There's some people think that when they act bad, God stops loving them. But God doesn't stop loving us when we act bad. He loves us the same. Now, we shouldn't act bad, but when we do, He still loves us. He never stops loving us. And so He loves us with an everlasting love. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians 13 and 8, 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 in the Amplified Bible, we'll just look at this one in the Amplified. Now, now in 1 Corinthians 13, there's several verses that uh, talk to us about the love of God and how it acts. And, and, you know, it'd do us all good to read that once every day, you know, a couple of times every day. Uh, Particularly married couples, if you're having trouble getting in spats, any married couples besides me and Diane ever have a spat? Have you ever had your wife throw a grapefruit at you because she was angry? I can give you some ducking lessons, uh, but I had it coming. But you know what? I told her she needed to go read 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified. And that's when she threw the grapefruit at me. No. But, you know, we, in all seriousness, the 1 Corinthians 13, 8, you know, if you're married, you're going to have disagreements. But, you know, love will get you through. The God kind of love now. You know, there's three Greek words primarily, primarily for love. One is the sensual kind of love, eros. And then there's another one that is uh, the brotherly love, phileo. And then there's the highest kind of love, agape. That's the God kind of love. That's the everlasting love, you see. And we ought to love our spouses and we ought to love everybody with that everlasting love, that love that never fails, that never, that never quits, you know. But right here in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 in the Amplified, it's, the Bible says love never fails, it never fades out or becomes obsolete or what? Or comes to an end. Well, that's, that's everlasting love, isn't it? That's love that lasts. And that's the God kind of love. That's the God kind of love. You know, if all you have is the sensual kind of love, you've got, you really, you've got nothing. You know, there's a lot of couples, they get married based on that sensual love. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and then their marriage doesn't last very long. If all you have is that sensual love, you, you don't have a whole lot. Thank God for it. But, but marriages do not stay glued together based on that, that sensual, sexual type love. Marriages will last and relationships with one another will last 
Only if we have that agape kind of love. I've noticed that brotherly love can even... That, now, that kind of love can fail because I've seen Christian folks loving one another at one point and then not at another point. Well, they never had that agape love, that, that God kind of love. They may have had the brotherly love. But you see, this love, this God kind of love, this agape, in the Greek word it's agape, it's, it's, it's unconditional love. It will never fail. It will never come to an end. Now, the Bible says in 1 John that God is love. Real loud, let's say, let's say that. Let's say God is love. God is love. One more time. See, God is love. He doesn't just have love. He is love. And, 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 and again, it's that Greek word agape. And God is love. Everything he does is motivated by love. Did you know when he judges his people, that's even motivated by love? Everything he does is motivated by love. Why does he judge us? To get us to stop sinning. Because the wages of sin is death, you see. When he chastens us, it's, it, love is behind it. When you discipline your children, your parents, you know, if you're doing it according to the Bible, when you discipline them, you're going to do it in love. And you're going to do it because of love, because you have some behavior there that's harmful to them that you want to correct, you see. And so, so God is love, and, and His love is everlasting. And I just want to look a few scriptures up to, to show you how his, that His love is everlasting. We, we know that, but I just want to share you some other scriptures with you. Matthew 28, 20. Let's go there. Matthew 28, 20. Notice this. Matthew 28, 20. Notice this. Uh, Jesus speaking. You know Jesus is God. You understand that. He's the second member of the Trinity. And he says this, right before he, after, you know, after he was raised from the dead, right before he ascended up to, to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father, notice what he says here. He says, uh, uh, get, telling his disciples, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you, how often? Always, Always even to the end of the age. Well, He is love, and so He's with us always. So His love is with us always. Always. Real loud, say always. Always. Yes, yeah, always, even to the end of the age. That's love that lasts. Now, notice Hebrews 13.5 hooks right into this. Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5. We'll just pick up midway through that verse. For He Himself has said, I will, I will never... Leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that wonderful? See, God's love will never leave us nor forsake us. I tell you, we're never without His love. He never leaves us. His love never departs from us nor forsakes us. You know, I've studied the ministry of Jesus. And you know, I found something. I found so much out about Him. I'm still learning. How about you? But, you know, I never see Jesus that I can find. I never see Jesus walking away from or abandoning anyone. I never see him walking away from anybody and abandoning them. Now, I've seen that there was a whole lot of people walked away from Jesus. See, people walk away from love, but love will never walk away from people. You need to think about that. I've never seen Jesus abandon anybody. I never, I never watched him walk away from anybody. But a lot of people walked away from him. A rich young ruler walked away from him. Is that right? Because he loved his money more than he loved Jesus. 
But I don't see Jesus abandoning anybody. Do you? I want to be like Jesus. I don't ever want to leave or abandon anyone. You know, in, in ministry now, 15 years as pastor of this church, I've never walked, I can honestly say, because I've examined it, I've never walked away from anyone. Now, I've had folks walk away from me, but I've never walked away from them. And you know what? If they ever need me, I'm right here where they left me. Praise God. Amen? Same way with God. There's, God don't walk away from folk. There's folk walk away from Him. But you know what? If, if anybody ever thinks better of it and they want to come back to Him, you know, He meets them right where they left Him. Isn't He wonderful? We need to be like Him, don't we? Praise God. Just, just love people. Just love people. Now look at John 6.37. John 6.37. Look at this. Notice this. All that the Father gives me Jesus is speaking. All, this is John 6, 37, New King James Version. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. I will by no means cast out. See, love never casts someone seeking it out. Love never casts someone seeking it out. Now, that's love that lasts. You know, a love that's always with us to the end of the age, that's love that lasts. A love that never leaves us or forsakes us, that's love that lasts, you see. You understand that? Love which will never cast someone out that's seeking it, see, that's love that lasts. We talked about people that have walked away from God over the years. People that have walked away from Jesus and then thought better of it and came back, he, not one time does he ever say, nope, you can't come back. How many of you remember Peter? You remember Peter? Peter denied Jesus how many times? Three. But he went out and he wept bitterly, didn't he? He thought better of it. He made a mistake. He repented. And you know what? When Jesus was raised from the dead, you know, Jesus called for Peter, didn't he? He called for Peter. Peter came back to him, and you know what? Jesus didn't cast him out, didn't say, nope, you denied me three times, buddy, it's too, you're too late. No, he received him right back, didn't he? Didn't he? Isn't that how love operates? Well, I want to be like that more and more every day. How about you? And you know, as we talk about love that lasts and love never uh, casts away anyone that's seeking it, the, the best story I can think of in the Bible that Jesus gave on this is found in Luke the 15th chapter and the 11th verse. Let's go over there. Luke the 15th chapter and the 11th verse. Luke the 15th chapter and the 11th verse. Jesus said a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. All right. You see that? He divided to them his life. So, so this, the younger of them said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So the father did it. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That means riotous living. He was, he, it means sinful living. But when he had spent all, so did this, this young boy, he walked away from his father. And this father is a type of our heavenly father, 
who is love. So this young man walked away from love. And when he walked away from love, then he finds himself out with sinful living. And then when he spent it all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. He began to lack. Well, see, you walk away from love and there's problems waiting for you. Did you know that? Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Ever think about that? He was feeding the pigs. I don't know about you, but I want to stay in Father's house. (laughs) And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. See, he had been eating good in Daddy's house. Now he's eating the pig's food. Oh, let's don't get away from love. And no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. Think about that. That's a bad place to be. But when he came to himself, isn't it good that we can repent? Oh, what a great word in the Bible, repentance. So glad that we can repent. And he came to himself. He came to his senses. And he said... How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Notice here that this young man was willing to take the blame, wasn't he? He came to his senses and he's he's willing to take... he, He messed up. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. So he's doing something wise, isn't he? But when he was still... Now, you ought to underline this because this, I think, is one of the best verses in all the Bible. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. What does that indicate? That his father was looking for him before he even repented. That's how wonderful the love of God is. That's how everlasting it is. See, God has a love that lasts. Even when this young boy was out in the pig pen feeding the pigs, uh, his father still loved him, never stopped loving him, and was still looking for him. Was still looking for him. Was still looking for him. See, if you're here today and you've messed up in some way, God's not mad at you. Now, he's not pleased with, with what you've done, but if you'll repent of it, he'll forgive you, and he's looking for you to get back right with him, you see. And while he was still a long way off, the father was looking for him. Do you see that? And notice his father saw him and had compassion. Well, that's another word for love. He had deep, heartfelt love for him and ran and fell on on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants... Bring out the best robe. Now now get this. Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. Now the father's rejoicing that his son has repented and come back, you see. And that's the same way God looks at us. When we miss it, see a lot of times people, when they miss it, I know I've been there, miss it, you think God's mad at you, you don't even want to even look up to the sky because you think he's going to hit you with a stick or something. But that's not God at all. Now he's not pleased with the sin, don't get me wrong, but he still loves us in spite of it, you see. 
And if we'll repent of it, he'll forgive us. And, and notice he'll, just what this, this father here did. He killed the fatted calf. He put a ring on his finger, robe on his back, sandals on his feet, and all of that. They threw a party. Why? Because the kid repented. And love was there to meet him, you see. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's a dangerous thing to get away from the father's house, to get away from God, to be out in the pig pen. It's a dangerous place to be. When you're out there, according to this scripture, God considers you dead. Dangerous place to be. But he repented and now the father sees him as alive again. He was lost. See, when you're out in the pig pen, away from father's house, God sees you as lost, but you can repent and he'll be looking for you when you do. And then now he considers him found and they began to be merry. Praise God. Now, you can hold your place right here because I want to come back to it in just a moment. Hold your place right there, but I want to say something to you. You know... Talking about uh, everlasting love or a love that lasts, you know, God at times would have an Old Testament prophet, you know, do some natural act to illustrate a spiritual truth to his people. And as I was putting this message together, this prophet Hosea, have you ever heard of Hosea? Have you ever heard of him, Hosea? Have you ever heard, how many has ever heard of Hosea? And um, he, uh, Actually, God told him to go marry a, a harlot. Now, now that's the exception to the rule. And, and as a general rule, that's a bad thing to do. But God was using this prophet to uh, show a spiritual truth to his people at, at how much he loves his people. And so he told Hosea to marry this harlot who, in the process of time, deserted Hosea for other lovers. Think about that. These other lovers then eventually rejected this lady. Her name was Gomer. How many remember Gomer? Don't you say Gomer Pyle now. I don't want you to do that to me. But this, 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 this girl's name was Gomer. Remember how many, you read that? And, and, and God told Hosea, go marry this, this harlot. Now, normally you don't do that. The Bible would tell you, tell everybody not to do that. But God had a reason here in this one case. And so he, Hosea marries the harlot. And then in the process of time, you know, she has other lovers and whatnot. So she's unfaithful to Hosea, just like God's people at times have been unfaithful to him. And then she, so, so, so she left Hosea, just like God's people have left him at times. And then Gomer, she went out and she had love affairs with these other people. You know, when we put anything before God, we're having love affairs with, huh? Did you hear me? Did you know you don't have to build a golden calf and bow down to it to be an, to be an idolater? Anything you put ahead of God, anything you put ahead of God, is idolatry. You hear me? And so she went out. She had these other lovers. But you know in the process of time. These other lovers. They deserted her and rejected her. You know anytime I've ever put anything. And I've never done it on purpose. But, but anytime I've ever. You know you got to be watchful on this. Anytime you let anything slip in there. And become more important to you than God. You know. Always the end result, that thing that I've put ahead of God has always left me empty at the end of the day. 
There's, there's only been a short temporary thrill in it, but at the end of the day, it's a lonely feeling. Did you hear me? Lonely feeling. Lonely. Because those other lovers, see, those, those, uh, those things, that, those idols, see, they'll desert you in the end. They'll desert you in the end. You know, once the golf tournament's over or the, once the sporting event's over or once the activity is over and all that clapping's done, you know, you know, and once you've even won the trophy, I've won some trophies in my time. And, and, and God's not against any of that as long as we don't put that ahead of Him, see. There's nothing wrong with, with golfing or, you know, but as, but as long as we don't put it ahead of Him. But I've won the trophies, you know. Back in high school when the golf probably was more important to me than God back then. And I've got the trophies. But the trophies at the end of the day leave you, you know, now they're in a box at home. But I'm so glad I'm serving God. You know? And when I repented of that and and got my priorities right, God, you know, he, he was right there to meet me and to love me. But Gomer, this, this harlot, she rejected Hosea to, uh, and went after these other guys. And then in the process of time, these other guys rejected her, deserted her, sold her into slavery. See, if you put anything ahead of God, which is idolatry, those idol- idols will eventually leave you in bondage somewhere or another. But God instructed Hosea, listen to this about the love of God. God instructed Hosea to seek her out, purchase her back and restore her. Think about that. I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, it, most, most men, if their wives went out and did that, you know, they'd want to, you know, you know, well, they wouldn't want to do anything good or vice versa. You know, if I did that to Diane and she'd want to tie me to a tree and Pray for me all night, you know, with a, with a switch. And I couldn't blame her. You do what? Throw watermelon at me instead of grapefruit, huh? But, you know, God doesn't condone the sin. I'm not making light of the sin. But you know what? God instructed Hosea to seek this, his wife out, purchase her back and restore her. What does this show us? It shows us that God has an everlasting love for his people. And that's why he had Hosea do that. He had this prophet show, do this to show Israel how much that God loved them even when they weren't serving him. It's interesting in Jeremiah 3. Let's go to Jeremiah 3, verse 14. Let's go there. Jeremiah 3, 14. It's interesting here what God has to say to... We're talking about his everlasting love, love that lasts... Notice what he says to, to people that have gotten away from him. Just, you know, we, we talked about Hosea and Gomer got away and then, you know, uh, and was unfaithful. And then God said, you know, purchase her back and all of that. Well, look right here in Jeremiah 3.14. It's the same lesson, but let's look at it in Jeremiah 3.14. Return, oh what? Oh what? Backsliding children. What, what does it mean to backslide? It means to get away from the Lord. It means to get away from living for him as you know you should. And he says, return, O backsliding children. Notice he didn't say, I'm done with you, I'm finished with you, I'm kicking you out. What does he say? He says, return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am what? I am what? I'm married to you. Wouldn't that indicate that he has a great love for 
his children that once served him but have not been as on fire for him as they should? Even those that have gotten into the pig pen like the prodigal son, he still loves them. It's an everlasting love. He said, I'm married to you. And notice what he says here. I'll take you, one from a city, two from a family. I'll bring you to Zion. That's a type of the church. He said, hey, come back. Come on, get back in church. Come on, get back in church. And then he says, I'll give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's awesome to me. That, 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 that people, children of God, that, that backslid on him. But then, you know, he says, return. And then he says, hey, I got a pastor for you that'll love you and feed you with the good word of God. This, is, this excites me to know that, you know, we shouldn't miss it. But if we do, God still loves us. Notice in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. Revelation 3, 19. Let's turn there. Revelation 3, 19. Revelation 3, 19. Speaking, Jesus here speaking, again, the same lesson, but I just want to hammer it home to you here this morning. Talking about God's love that lasts. This was a lukewarm church. It was a church that had become lukewarm. The people were not hot, they weren't cold. You know what I mean? They weren't hot, they weren't cold. They, they were straddling the fence, so to speak. We could put it this way. They had one foot in the church and one foot in the world. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and they were lukewarm. And, and, and you could read up above and you can see that that lukewarmness make, nauseated Jesus. He doesn't like us when we're lukewarm. Actually, he said, I'd rather you be cold or hot, but don't be lukewarm. You know, but, but I don't want to, I, I don't, I want to be hot. How about you? Just be hot. Be on fire for him. But then he says here in verse 19 to this lukewarm church, he says, as many as I what? Love. Does he still love you when you're lukewarm? Yeah. Now, should you be lukewarm? No. Does it nauseate him? Yes. But does he still love you? Yes, he does. He still loves you. And he says, as many as I love, now watch this, I what? I rebuke and chasten. See, God doesn't always just have flowery things to say. And you want to be watchful of people especially ministers that are always telling you the flowery stuff. We need the whole word of God. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of encouragement, but there's some rebuke also. And he said, I'll rebuke you, I'll chasten you. Why? Because he loves you. To get you back where you need to be. To get me back where I need to be. And then he says, be zealous and what? Be zealous and repent. That means have a change of heart, change of mind like that prodigal son did in the pig pen. He had a change of heart, a change of mind. And then Jesus says, I, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. What does that indicate? That indicates God's everlasting love for us. That even when we're lukewarm, even when we've put Jesus sort of out on the back porch, if you will, and closed the door, that he's still standing there knocking, loving us, wanting back in. That encourages me. Now, should we put him on the back porch and close the door? No. Does that nauseate him? Yes. But in the midst of that, does he still love us? Yes. And let's have good sense to open the door if we become lukewarm and let him back into our hearts and let that fire of God burn in there. Amen? Now, 
We've talked about the love that lasts and we talked about the prodigal son. And remember, I asked you to hold your place in Luke 15. Let's go back to verse 25, Luke 15, 25. And let's look at the other son. Let's look at the other son for just a few moments who didn't have the love that lasts. Now look at Luke 15, 25. Remember that son that he went out and wound up in the pig pen. He repented. He came home. The father was looking for him. They threw a party. How many remembers that? All right. But now, the, now his brother. Let, let's look at his brother. I know many of you know the story, but it's good to hear it again. Luke 15, 25. Now the older son was in the field. And as he came, he drew near to the house and heard music and dancing. Well, they're throwing a party. Why? Because the son had come home, the, the, the younger son. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And uh, because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But look at verse 28. But he was angry and would not go in. Isn't that sad? You know, in some ways, this older son is worse off than the younger one. The younger one missed it. But he was willing to repent. This one just has a bad attitude. And he's angry and he would not go in. He's angry and he would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. It looks like some self-righteousness there. And yet you never gave me a young goat. looks like some self-pity there that I might make merry with my friends, but as soon as this son of yours, wouldn't even call him his brother. Looks like he doesn't love his brother too much. Jesus said, uh, the Bible says in, in 1 John, that if we don't love our brothers, we're the same as a murderer. But as soon as this son of yours, wouldn't call him his brother, came, came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots... You killed the fatted calf for him. You did it for him. You wouldn't do it for me. And he said to him, now look at this. Son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. Well, it looks like there was some jealousy also on that part of the older. It was right that we should make merry and get glad and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again was lost and is found. Well, let me ask you, did that father have the love that lasts? Yes. But did that older son? No. Now, who do you want to be like? Like the father or that older son? Let me ask you this. If you missed it, now listen carefully. If you missed it, would you rather that God be like this father or like that older son? That's a whole lot better deal to deal with that father. I'm glad that older son wasn't a father. How about you? Because he'd have have told that that young boy to go back out to the pig pen, go back, you know, and eat with the pigs. Is that right? But I'm glad to know God's not like this older, older guy. That God is like the father. And when he was still a long way off, he was looking for him, you see. But, you know, we're supposed to love with the God kind of love. Look at John 13, 34, and we'll, we'll close. John 13, 34, and we'll close. Look at this. John 13, 34. We've talked about how God loves us with an everlasting love, with a love that lasts. We noted how the father here in this story of the prodigal son loved with the God kind of love. This older brother did not. 
But what about you and me? What are we supposed to do? Look at John 13, 34. Look at John 13, 34. Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you what? That you love one another. As how? I have loved you. So we're supposed to love with the God kind of love, aren't we? You know, somebody said, well, I can't love with the God kind of love. Well, the Bible says that when we got born again, the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts. So we are capable of loving the way God loves, with an unconditional love, with a love that lasts, you see. And a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So are we supposed to love one another with the God kind of love? With a love that lasts. Yes. And then he says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Notice, this is how people can tell if we're really disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ if we have the God kind of love for one another. Not, not, not by the gifts of the Spirit that we operate in or how accurate our prophecies are or any of that. But, I mean, there's, there, you know, there's some truth in that, of course. But really, how do people really, how are they really able to mark us as being disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ if we have love one for another? You know what hinders more and more people, sinners, you know, from coming to Jesus than anything else is probably hypocritical Christians. And again, you can ask sinners why they don't go to church. And many of them will say, I don't go there because they're full of hypocrites. And why do sinners think that? Because they hear Christians very oftentimes say, oh, I love, I love you. But then when they see them act, they see them act with, and their actions are talking bad and gossiping and this, that, and the other. See, and that's hypocritical, see. Oh, let's don't be hypocritical. Let's, let's love with the God kind of love. And that's an everlasting love. See, the God kind of love won't get on the phone and say, have you heard such and such about so and so? Hello? Now, come on, folks. Let's get down here where the rubber hits the road and talk about this. If somebody is really operating in the God kind of love, they're not going to be emailing a thousand times a day saying, have you heard such and such about such and such? Now, now, is that right? Now, is that right? Now, now is that correct? Huh? I mean, it's real easy to mark people that aren't really true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. All you got to do is read some of their emails or listen to some of their phone conversations. See, God's not interested in how you talk about me to my face. He's interested in how you talk about me when I'm not listening. See, God doesn't, he doesn't give a flip about how I talk to you to your face. He cares about how I'm talking about you when nobody else is around. Did you hear me? Because, see, that really shows the true character, the true person. So be, be watchful. We ought to, we ought, the, Jesus said, by your fruits you'll know them. And what's the first fruit of the Spirit? It's love. The God kind of love. And so if people are firing off emails, have you heard this about so-and-so? Have you heard that, you know, or they're calling? I mean, that just shows you that they're hypocritical and they're not walking in the God kind of love. And the Bible said, did you know what the Bible says? People that cause division, you ought to mark them, the Bible said, and avoid them. Why is that? Lest that old nasty spirit that's on them gets off on you. Did you hear me? Now, that came out by the Spirit of God. That wasn't in my nose. But you need to, and all of this, I believe, is by the Spirit of God. But that was unction. I needed to say that. Be watchful who you run around with. 
The Bible warns us to be careful who we run around with. Did you hear me? Run around with people that walk in the God kind of love. Did you hear me? Walk with people that are going to stick with you through thick and thin. Walk with people that are going to be there, that are never going to forsake you no matter what. Walk with people and be around people that that are never going to turn away somebody that really has a legitimate need and they're able to help them, you see. You know, let's run around with people that bless and, and don't persecute, you see. Let's be people that bless and not persecute. Can, can you say amen? Yes. So I made up a long time ago, when people come against me, and you know what, as humans, people are going to come against all of us. Is that right? There's somewhere out there, they're going to say something bad about you. I mean, none of us are immune or exempt from this. But I learned a long time ago, when people do that, you know what you do? You walk in the God kind of love and you turn the other cheek. Why do you turn the other cheek? So they can hit you on the other side? No, you turn the other cheek so that God will put his boxing gloves on. And he'll begin to deal with folks on your behalf. And you know how he'll deal with them? He won't go in there and beat the living daylights out of them. He'll go in there and deal with them in love. Did you hear me? He really will. Now then, you can fool with God's kids just so long, and He will put a stop to it. Now, did you hear what I said? But He doesn't deal harshly to start with. But He will in the process of time, if there's not repentance. But God is love, and I'm so glad that He is, and I want to be just like Him. Amen? Remember when that woman was brought to Jesus, taken in adultery in the very act? Remember that? And the, the scribes, the Pharisees said, said you, know, you, you know, the law of Moses said stoner. But Jesus, what do you say? And remember what Jesus said. He said, he that's without sin among you, let him cast the stone at her first. And they all dropped their rocks and went home. Is that right? And Jesus said, woman, where's your accusers? And, and she said, they're all gone. They all left, Lord. And then notice what love says. Neither do I condemn you. See, we're walking in the love of God. We're not going to be looking to condemn people. But then what did he say? He said, go and sin no more. See, the love of God doesn't condone sin, but it loves the sinner. Did you get anything out of this today? Are you glad you came? Listen, right before I go, I just feel I need to say this. You know what? You know what the divorce rate in this land is? It's about 50%. That means one in two marriages wind up in divorce. This being Valentine's Day, I think I need to say this. Half of them wind up in divorce. And you know what the sad thing is? Is among the church, the statistics are no different. What does that tell us? That there's a lot of people, married couples, not walking in love. I like what uh, Brother Hagin said, and, and I stand with it. It's good. He said that there's no reason for a married couple, Christian, born again, spirit filled couple, to ever get a divorce. If they're walking in love. The answer is to walk in love. Now you know thank God for marriage counseling and all that. I'm not against that if you got a good counselor. But you know what you ought to do before you go to the counselor? You ought to just walk according to the word of God. And if you're here and you're having marital problems, listen to me. It doesn't have to end up in divorce. And you know what? God's will is not divorce. Absolutely it's not divorce. Yeah, but I don't know if she's the perfect wife for me or if he's the perfect husband for me. You know what? When the ring went on the finger, 
it became the perfect will of God. And there's no excuse for divorce. If both will do what? Walk in love. So if you're here today and you're having issues... Go to 1 Corinthians 13th chapter in Amplified and read that. Sit down and read it together and put it into practice and you don't have to wind up in divorce court. Amen? You know, after we got married, the afternoon that we got married, my wife said, did you read the inside of the ring? And she had it engraved. I love you, Terry. And boy, she's loved me. And you know what? I don't say this boastfully. But we've got one of the greatest marriages I've ever seen on this planet. Have we ever thrown some grapefruits? Have I ever deserved it? Oh, yeah. I haven't been perfect. I've been about 90% of the fault in our marriage over the years. She's been about 10, to tell you the truth. Well, actually, 89 and 11. But you know what? We've had our spats, and I, I'm, I'm done, but just let me say this. We've had our little spats and whatnot, but you know what? We always come together. We talk. We talk it out. I lecture her on how she was wrong. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> but we talk about it. We talk about it. You know what we do? We don't leave the room until we've talked it out. And I've been able to see where I've been wrong and and where I've been right, where she's been right and wrong, and we, we look at it and we talk about it, don't we? And we get through it. And 20 years has come and gone and got a good marriage. You know why it is? It's because, you know what? We, I found her in, in the house of God. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. I found her in the house of God, serving God. And that's where she found me. And God moved us together, you know, because I remember in the church, some of these people that were there, I started out sitting over here, she started out sitting over here, and then we'd move a little closer, and then we'd have a little spat, and then we'd move back. And then, and then, I'd, you know, and then we'd move, and I'd be sitting in the center, and she'd be sitting over there, and then she'd come. You know, and then we kind of went like that for a while, but finally, after about a year of that, she came to her senses, and she realized <laughs> that I'm the one for her. And I tell you what, but, you know, I got, I got the good end of the deal. I tell you what, she's a wonderful, marvelous wife. And, uh, and so on Valentine's Day, honey, thanks for being such a good wife. And you're so pretty and I love you to pieces. God bless you. And I love every piece of you. You're wonderful. Amen. So, but how has our marriage been good? I'm not boasting. It's good because we walk in love. We've had our arguments. We've had our spats. We've gone, well, I'm not going to talk to you. You're not going to talk to me. I've gotten the cold shoulder, the silent treatment. Honey, is everything okay? Everything's fine. If she, when they say everything's fine, you know. <laughs> Are you okay, honey? I'm fine. You know, as they say that, you better get ready to duck. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? I want to make everybody think you're a husband abuser, but you're not. She's great. She's great. But you know what? What we walk in, we've had all that. We've gone through all that, you know. And uh, I've never had to sleep on a couch, praise God, or outside. But we've walked in love. Amen? So don't let it end in divorce. It don't have to. If you'll walk in love. Stand with me if you would. Praise God. Hope you got something out of this today.
Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, God's good, isn't he? Praise God. Well, let me just say this. Just before we close, before we leave, you know, as I've looked around, I think everybody's saved. But in the event that somebody's here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to call you to the life of God. I want to call you to the love of God today. Don't leave here and 